This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. It's Zoomer Radio's Theater of the Mind with Frank Proctor. Open your mind as we fill your head with amazing thrills, chills, <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor. Well, thank you and welcome to the show. Tonight, we get glimpses of both the bad and the good sides of life. Let's deal with the bad side first. We begin the evening with a trip behind enemy lines during the Second World War when members of the OSS would put their lives on the line fighting the Nazis. And then at the half hour, we'll rely on Jack Benny and the gang to get our spirits buoyed again with a trip through his childhood. Are you willing to undertake a dangerous mission behind the enemy lines? knowing you may never return alive. What you have just heard is the question asked during the war to agents of the OSS, ordinary citizens who to this question answered, yes. This is... Cloak and Dagger. Warfare, espionage, international intrigue. These are the weapons of the OSS. Today's adventure, The Cutchin Story, tells of an agent, an American agent, dropped behind Japanese lines in Burma. A story suggested by actual incidents recorded in the Washington files of the Office of Strategic Services. A story that can now be told. The sky hangs low over Burma. In 1944, it was more than just the smoke and dust haze that blankets it in the dry season. It was the tension in the air that weighed the clouds down so that they almost seemed to be pressing against the wings of our plane. You ought to reach your objective in a few minutes, Mike. Good. I'll tell you when to hit the silk. You got everything? Yep. Radio, supplies, I'm all set. Boy, that's thick jungle down there. Thick with Japs. That's what I mean. I looked down on the towering, jungle-covered mountains of North Burma. I thought of the small band of Kutchin natives who were waiting to meet me. I thought about how pitifully outnumbered they were behind the enemy lines. Now they hated the Japs. And then, all of a sudden... Ah! I didn't have time to think anymore. Lousy Jap fighter. What cloud did he crawl out of? It's too late to run. We're in for it. Sorry, you're going to be late for your appointment. Brother, what I could do with a tail gunner now. Hold on to your stomach, Mike. Gonna see if I can loop and get behind him. Hi, oh, still on a tail. Yeah, he looped right behind me. He hit a wrencher. On fire. That lousy. Nice work, you got him. How bad are we hit? We all make it. 
going to try to belly laugh. Can we jump? Hold on for that. Hold on. Watch those trees. I can't pull her up, Mike. I can't. I can't. I was thrown from the plane when we crashed. I got off with nothing more than a leg that was bleeding pretty bad. When I crawled back to the wreck, I found the pilot. He wasn't so lucky. I started to run. I didn't know where I was going, but I started to run anyway through the bamboo thickets. My leg was throbbing with pain and I tripped. The pistol dropped out of my holster and disappeared into the high grass. I didn't have time to look for it. Somewhere to the north were the Cutchins. I had to get to them. This was headhunter country. In those days, Japs paid high prices for American scalps. After a while, my breath came out. I couldn't go any further. My imagination put Japs and headhunters behind every tree. I told myself I had to stop. I told myself I didn't have enough wind to take another step. But I changed my mind when behind me I heard a twig snap. There was someone following. A quiet, stealthy someone on padded cat's feet. I kept on running. Into the river. I didn't bother to look first for crocodiles. The numbness from my bad legs spread all over me. I could hardly swim. All I wanted to do was get away from that shadow behind me. When I reached the opposite shore, I clambered onto a sandbar. Safe. Safe. Then I looked back. I saw that tireless shadow emerge from the bushes and flit silently across the river on a fallen tree trunk. My lungs were ready to burst. I pulled myself up again and fell over some roots and waited waited for that shadow to catch up with me. I just lay there and waited. Okay. Okay, you win. Where do we go from here? We'll say something. Won't just stand there. Probably won't be able to understand you, but say something anyway. A half-naked warrior just... Stood there staring at me, saying nothing. I'd have given anything to have had my gun back again. And all of a sudden I did. He just reached down and handed it to me. Hey, I... I don't get it. What's that... What's that card you're holding? Follow this guide. He will lead you to safety. Well... Well, now you're talking. <laughs> sure, and you couldn't look more surprised, Captain, than if the tall grass parted and you came on a field of four-leaf clovers. <laughs> I feel that way, Father. <laughs> like you turned over a stone and there we were. Well, that's about it. I thought that native following me was a headhunter. I know they'd turn any American over to the Japs for a two-pound bag of salt. Ah, you're right there. Unholy savages that they are. 
We saw your plane fall, and I sent Ying here after you with that message written on the card. He's the fastest runner in the Cochin village. I'm sorry he put such a scare into you. Oh, 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 oh forgive me, Captain Shea. Uh, did I pull the bandage too tightly then? No, no, it's okay. I don't mind it too much. When I think of what happened to the pilot, I was lucky. Ah, yes. It was a pity about the pilot. Ying, the scissors, if you don't mind. Thank you. There. Oh, almost done now. Then we'll go out and you'll meet the villagers. The women have prepared a special banquet for you. Oh, that's very nice of them. Have you been a missionary here in Burma long, Father? Oh, for almost 12 years now. I hardly remember any other life. These good natives have all become sons and daughters to me. <laughs> We've taught each other. I speak their language. They all speak English now. They do? As well as I. Almost. Then uh, I have a question, Father. Yes? How come Ying over there took ten years off my life, chased me through the jungle? Why didn't he say something? Well... Ying didn't speak to you, Captain Shea, because he wasn't able to. What? He was a prisoner of the Japanese some time ago. They cut out his tongue. Uh, that, uh, that other roll of bandage, please, Ying. Thank you. Colleen, put more wine in the bamboo cup for our guest, eh? Yes, I will be happy to. Here you are. What did you call her father? Colleen, to make it easier for me, I've renamed many of the villagers. That woman stirring the big kettle is Kathleen. And the other beside her, Bridget. <laughs> I get the general idea. <laughs> and your name is Shay. <laughs> Mike Shay. A good Irish name, have I ever heard one? Well, uh, actually, Father, it's Michael Shikolnikov. Would you mind repeating that? Shikolnikov. It's Polish. I shorten it because everybody has trouble pronouncing it. Sometimes I have trouble myself spelling it. Yeah, I see. Well, no matter. No matter. Uh, uh, tell me more about your mission. Well, I was sent by the OSS to establish radio contact, Father, with the Northern Area Combat Command in Burma. Give them any information and help I can. That is, with your help, of course. Ah, yes. Well, you'll find us of great assistance. Immediately after the banquet, you can find a place to set up your radio. So, uh, how are you enjoying your meal? Mm. My wife never made anything that tasted like this. <laughs> Do you like it? Eat well. Let me fill your plate some more. Mm, thanks. Mm, it's very good. Uh, what is it? We make it special for you today. White bees we boil for hours. Uh, I, uh, guess I've had enough. I don't feel right moving you out of your hut, Father. Ah, it's quite all right. I can easily find another basher. This is the best spot for your radio. 
I'll even leave you the, the decorations on the walls to inspire you. <laughs> Ginger Rogers, huh? Yeah. That's your favorite pinup? <laughs> well, she's a fair lass, all right. She brightens up the basher. Well, with your permission, then, I'll uh, stick a snapshot of my wife up with the rest of these pictures. Yeah, that does it. You know, when I think of my wife, I feel a little guilty. Why is that, Miss Son? Oh, I don't know. Thought of her going blind, squeezing all the news from home into V-mail, worrying herself sick about me. And all the time, I never felt more free in my life. Ah, yes, I know just what you mean. I love this life in the jungle, as well as the people, my people here. I don't think I could ever leave now, Shakri. By the by, do you mind if I call you O'Shea? <laughs> no, no, not at all, Father O'Toole. Not at all. This jungle home was a far cry from the third floor walk-up in New York and the job behind the desk in the insurance office. The Kutchin warriors aren't imposing figures. They're short, squat, with long matted hair and teeth worn to a black stub by betel nut. They led a simple village life, eating rice, trapping wild pigs, the technique they also used in trapping wild Japs. But they were friendly, happy people, and life with them was pleasant. Until one afternoon when a report came in on the radio. North Area Combat Command to Agent Shakalnikov. Agent Shakalnikov of the OSS to North Area Combat Command. You're coming in clear, awaiting message. Come in. Over. Capture of jungle town of Michina and its airstrip is vital to aid Allied advance in Burma. Battalions of American marauders will attempt capture. They will rely on your help to get them through the jungle. Over. Agent Shikolnikov to headquarters. Have small band of Kutchins organized. We will do what we can. Awaiting further instructions. Over. Other native armies under OSS leadership have been alerted. Stand by. Stand by. This is imperative. Over and out. Well. What? Oh, Father O'Toole, I, I didn't see you standing there. You heard? I heard, O'Shea. This is a big push, all right. That airport at Michener could mean success or failure of the whole American campaign in Burma. I'll get our warriors ready. In the meantime, there's nothing we can do but wait for orders. That's always the worst part of it. Wait. children, quiet. Now, it is as I have told you. When the order comes from the Americans, we will advance upon the enemy. We leave now, Father. Catch enemy ourselves. No, 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 no. That's not the way we must work from now on. The American will be our leader. We will do as he says. We will follow Captain O'Shea. Combat Command to Agent Shekalnikov in Burma. A battalion of marauders on the way to Michina has been cut off from the main body of the column and lost in the jungle. Radio contact gone. Find them and supply reinforcements. Over. Agent Shekalnikov to headquarters. We'll do the best we can. Over and out. 
Well, we've waited two weeks for an assignment, but when it came, it was a beauty. Well, the problem, O'Shea, is locating that battalion. Now, it occurs to me... Yes, yes, Father. It occurs to me that if they're surrounded by the Japanese somewhere in the jungle, the Japanese themselves would know exactly where that spot is. Father, I don't get you. Well, there's a Japanese bivouac less than six miles from here. There are undoubtedly Japanese high command who have the information we're after. I've got you now, Father. But one of the scouts come with me to show me the way through the jungle. We'll sneak into that Jap camp and bring one of the officers back with us. Well, the two of you alone? Sure, sure. Too many of us and we're liable to get caught. Just a couple of us can make it. All right. Wait till the moon is halfway across the sky. Then go. And the Lord go with you. When the moon was halfway across the sky, the scout and I set out back through the jungle I'd come from. Only this time I was a shadow too, slipping behind the bamboo thickets, cutting my way through the dense jungle foliage. We didn't talk much, only what was necessary. Jap, camp, close, now. Good. Jap, camp, there, ahead. See through bushes? Yeah, I see. All those fires lit. Must be some kind of a powwow going on. Sentry. There. Where finger points. Yeah, yeah, I see him. We will surprise Sentry. Sneak in camp from there. Right behind you. No talk. Quiet. No talk. Noise. Bring many traps. Okay, through the bushes. Watch for snakes. Is that what you're worried about? What about the tigers, wild boars, Komodo lizards? Watch for snake. Snake. You move. We strike. What do we do? Can you get him with a stick? A rock. Gun best. Gun, they'll hear us. Gun best. Rock no good. Stick no good. If I miss, you die. Gun. Gun. Boom. I stood there like somebody who had been frozen dumb and stiff. My heart was pounding like a jungle tom-tom. If he killed the snake, the Japs were sure to come running. If he didn't, he raised his gun slow. Slow. The snake was swaying back and forth. That snake, much dead. He killed him all right, but we didn't have time to escape back into the foliage. After that, nothing's clear in my mind. There were Japs all around us, yelling like crazy, and lots of guns going. And the Cutchin scout fell flat on his face, dead. Then somebody butted me from behind with a pistol. And the moon went out of the heavens. And the sky that hangs low over Burma came down and hit me in the face. Wake up. What? Huh? What happened? Oh, oh, my head. I am Colonel Haichi of the Japanese High Command. I regret that we were forced to render you such stormy welcome. Colonel Haichi, eh? You speak English pretty well. Massachusetts Institute of Technology, Class 37. 
DeWitt Clinton High School, the Bronx, class of 33. We will get along well, I think, if we make a little trade. What kind of a trade? Your life for little information. I see. The American marauders. I want to know their numbers, their positions, their objective. I don't know. If I did, I wouldn't tell you. God. Oh. That whip was sample. We have much more in store for you if you do not agree to be more agreeable to our simple requests. I give you 24 hours to think it over, American. The hut they threw me under was small and dark. There was a sentry posted at the entrance. What I remember most about those 24 hours was the heat. Wet, sticky heat that made my skin crawl and my lips dry. It was a cute trick of the MIT graduate class of 37 to let the water drip from a pipe right outside the barred window. After a while, it begins to get you when you're thirsty. You, get up. Get up. Can I eat See you now. Up, American. Up. Okay, okay. Get your hands off me. What? What's that? Uh, Stampede. Stampede. Elephants. Oh. Good work. That's one less Japanese to worry us. Father O'Toole, where'd you come from? What is this? No time for long explanations now, lad. They outnumbered us 50 to 1, and we needed heavy ammunition. Elephants were the heaviest we could find. Yeah, but how did you... Well, when you didn't come back, I sent a runner. We found the body of the sky. Come, we must leave now. Yeah, but the information I came to get. Oh, oh, oh that. We'll take it with us. Kutchin warriors in this village have a grudge against your people, Colonel Hayachi. Maybe you can tell us why. You cannot frighten me, American. You get no information from me. Shoes on the other foot now, huh? So it would seem. Ying. I'd like you to meet Ying, Colonel Hayachi. Some months ago, he was a Japanese prisoner. His tongue was cut out. I'm going to turn you over to Ying. No! He can ask you questions his own way. Go on, take him. No, no, no. No, get him away from me. I will tell you what you want to know. I will tell you where we have surrounded lost battalion. I tell you where they are. That's more like it. Start talking. ready to attack. And a great holiday spirit took over the village. But we must come. We always come, Moshe, when our warriors go ambush Japanese. But this is crazy. I can't have a lot of women and kids and old men tagging along. We go. We go. Old men carry flintlock, muzzle loader. Women, we do our job also. Now, wait a minute. When battle finish, women cook big party. Somebody, monkey meat. What, and serve it piping hot in the front lines? Nothing doing. I'm going to see Father O'Toole about this. You have your troubles, I have mine, O'Shea. But we can't let that whole tribe come along. This isn't kids' play. They'll come whether you like them to or not, O'Shea. They always do. 
In the meanwhile, look at my predicament. Some son of Satan stole me false teeth. What am I to do without me teeth? Father O'Toole, please, we have much time. Aichi gave us a map. We know where the marauders and the Jap attackers are. But we won't do them any good just sitting here. I'm not just sitting here, O'Shea. I'm trying to find me teeth. <laughs> The whole village went along, whether I liked it or not. And Father O'Toole came along, too, without his teeth. The Cutchin warrior knew the back trails of the jungle as well as I knew 42nd Street. Ying seemed to be the leader, and he led us through little-known passes along hidden underbrush, closer and closer to the spot where we knew the Japs had the American battalion cut off, helpless, just where they wanted them. No one made a sound, and Ying held up his hand. What is it, Ying? This junction of the two trails. He's not sure which one to take. That's it, Ying, isn't it? Well, why don't we split up? Half of us go one way and the other. No, no, no. There aren't enough of us. The Cutchins have their own methods. Why is Ying pointing at me? He's giving you the honor of contributing a hair from your head. A what? A hair from your head. Here, let me have one. Ah, thank you. Here you are, Ying. Why is he throwing it on the ground? We'll go in the direction the hair points. Not very scientific. No, but it always works. Ah, it points to the right. We'll go to the right. You're right, Father O'Toole, it did work. Here are the Japs. And there were the marauders dug into those foxholes. Yeah, they're surrounded, all right, poor lads. So I wonder they held out this long. Our business, then, is to attack the enemy from the rear and give the battalion a chance to hit back. We can't attack them. There's too many of them. We'll have to ambush them. Yes, yes, true. I, if only I had me teeth, I could think better. Ying, some of you others, come here. Listen, our only chance is to draw them off from the left. There's a clearing there. We'll give the marauders a chance to get out of that encirclement. We chase chap soldier up here. We set trap for them. That's the idea. Panji, we make Panji. Panji, what's that? Hey, you want a trap, set? Watch. You're about to witness the Cutchin secret weapon. What are they doing? They're whittling those bamboo poles to sharp points. Then they'll stick them at the slant beneath the underbrush on either side of the trail. When the enemy passes, our warriors will fire, and the Japanese will dive to the sides. I get it, and cut themselves to ribbons. Very effective. Very pretty. The natives worked quickly. The women helping them whittle the bamboo to razor points. When everything was ready, I took a few of our men to the left flank, and we fired. And they ran right into our trap. Very effective. Not so pretty. I committed mass Harry Curry all along the trail. That's all there was to it. I never thought we'd get out of those foxholes alive, Captain Shikolnikov. Thanks for helping us chase the rest of the Japs off. I'm glad we could help, Major. The Cutchins will lead you the rest of the way through the jungle so you can rejoin the main body of your column. Can we leave now? Oh, no, Major. The women would be insulted. I'll turn in the battle. They were busy preparing the victory feast. <laughs> Pretty sure of themselves, weren't they? <laughs> Good wives. They have confidence in their husbands. <laughs> the feast is ready. 
I don't even dress for it. <laughs> Look at that. Flowers in the hair and everything. All dressed up. One of them is overdressed. Colleen, come here. Yes, father. Don't you yes, father me. What do you got around your neck? Well, <laughs> necklace. I bow for the victory. My false teeth. <laughs> now, you find yourself another necklace and give them back to me. No. No, then I have nothing. This pretty... Oh, I Colleen, Colleen, listen to me. Here, uh, here's something prettier. My sharpshooter's medal. Sharpshooter? Mm-hmm. Every American soldier has one to give to the prettiest girl he meets. Would you like it? Hmm. So shiny. Ribbon pretty, too. Father O'Toole, you have back your teeth. Ha! <laughs> Captain Shekolnikov. You're worthy of the name of O'Shea. The capture of the vital airstrip and the ultimate conquest of Michina was due to the combined efforts of the marauders who attacked it and the Kuchin warriors who helped them and harassed the enemy all along the way. And once more, the report of an OSS agent closes with the words, Mission accomplished. A further adventure in black warfare is next week's Cloak and Dagger. Heard in today's Cloak and Dagger adventure were Raymond Edward Johnson, Carl Weber, Bill Quinn, Joe Julian, Everett Sloan, Inga Adams, Jackson Beck, and Jerry Jarrett. The script was written by Winifred Wolfe and Jack Gordon. Music was under the direction of John Gart. Today's true OSS adventure was based on the book Cloak and Dagger by Corey Ford and Alistair McBain. This has been a Lewis G. Cowan production in association with Alfred Hollander and was under the direction and supervision of Sherman Marks. Robert Warren speaking. Stay tuned for Jack Benny next on Theater of the Mind. Time now to go back to 1940 for Jack Benny and his childhood story. Fall is here. It is the sixth day of October and Jello is back on the air. But where are all our little playmates? Where are Donzy and Filzy? And Mary and Dennis and Jackie Boy. Ah, me, they're still asleep. For 15 weeks, they have been in the arms of Morpheus. Wake up. Wake up, little playmates. Alas, they do not heed my summons. However, we must get them up. But how? How can we awaken our master of ceremonies? How can we arouse Jackie Boy? Drop a quarter. You're asleep. Alas, my efforts are unavailing. If only someone, someone with magic powers would assist me. But who? Who will it be? I'll help you, kid. <laughs> magic wand, I will awaken them. You will awaken them? Who are you? I am the Blue Fairy. 
Then you must hurry, O oh Blue Fairy. Wake them all and do not tarry. Fear not, my friend. I'll fly away. All of me and that ain't hay. <laughs> well, here I go. Goodbye, Blue Fairy. So long, kid. <laughs> Wilson, you big lug. It's time we heard a jello plug. <laughs> oh, thanks, Blue Fairy. I heed your call. Hand me my girdle from off the wall. <laughs> Here you are. And here is a little Dennis. Oh, Dennis, stay. Jump out of bed. On your feet, not on your head. Oh, um, I'm tired. Dennis, Dennis, wake up and get dressed. But gee whiz, Ma, I'm sleepy. Dennis, stay. You get right over to the studio. Mr. Benny will be furious if you're late. Okay. Do I have to wash behind my ears? What for? He doesn't. <laughs> That's a lie. That woman better watch out. Oh, little Phil Harris, come blow your horn. The cows in the meadow, the sheep's in the corn. Corn? <laughs> that got him. Who are you, babe? I am the Blue Fairy. Well, come on in. <laughs> this is a fantasy. Sound asleep in the land of Nod But I, the blue fairy, will awaken her Some fairy, she couldn't fly with three motors Mary, don't spoil the illusion This is a fine way to start our first program well, Can you think of something better? Anything Oh, go ahead, fairy, and wake her up When is she going to wake up the audience? Never mind <laughs> Get going, fairy Oh, Mary Liv, it's time you woke And told us all a funny joke so open your eyes and don't be drowsy. Oh, boy, what a lead. <laughs> Give me that one. Ouch. All right, now wake me up. <laughs> Jack Benny snores so rich and deep. For 15 weeks, he's been asleep. But now he must awake, you know, and run his good old Jell-O show. Awake, awake, awake. The sun is shaking on the hill and birds are singing by the mill. For safe, for safe.
ever arouse from his slumber? Will he ever wake up? I don't know. Hey, Eddie, will he ever wake up? I don't know. Hey, Bill, will he ever wake up? I don't know. Hey, say! Never mind, I'm up! <laughs> My goodness! J-E-L-L-O The Jell-O Program, starring Jack Benny with Mary Livingston, Phil Harris, Dennis Day, and yours truly, Don Wilson. The orchestra opens the program with Shout, I Am an American. I know you're all anxious to get on with the show, and so for that reason, I'm not going to take the time right now to tell you about Jell-O. I'm not going to say a word about how popular Jell-O is with just about everybody the country over. I'm not going to tell you that Jell-O is simply tops for gay, tempting color and wonderful, extra-rich flavor. I won't stop now to point out that Jell-O is a quick, easy dessert to make or that it's delightfully inexpensive. And I'm not even going to mention that you can get Jell-O in six delicious flavors. Strawberry, raspberry, cherry, orange, lemon, and lime. I'd like to tell you all these things, ladies and gentlemen, but there just isn't time right now. So, on with the show. And, uh, oh yes, uh, there isn't time either to tell you that you ought to get some Jell-O tomorrow without fail. played by the orchestra. And now, ladies and gentlemen, for the first time this season, I bring you a man who returns to the air, fresh as a daisy, gay as a daffodil, modest as a violet, and rugged as a sweet pea, Jack Benny. Thank you. Thank you, thank you. Jello again, this is your favorite flower talking. <laughs> And Don, uh, Don, before we go any further, uh, what did you think of that novel opening to our first program? You know, where we're all supposed to be asleep for 15 weeks. Wasn't that whimsical? It certainly was, Jack. <laughs> and clever, too. You know, I wrote and produced it myself. Did you like the idea of the Blue Fairy? Yes, that was novel. Who is she, anyway? Well, I don't know her name, Don, but she uh, came to us through the courtesy of the Great Lakes Dredge and Dock Company. <laughs> Her freight bill was something awful in there. <laughs> well, anyway, Don, here we are starting our seventh season for Jell-O. For seven years, you and I and our little gang have been with the same sponsor. Yes, sir. Seven years on one job. You know, Don, we're either loyal or in a rut. <laughs> <laughs> but who knows? We might be with the same sponsor seven more years. Or tw ten. Or twenty. If he ever tunes in on us, we're cooked. Well, look who's here. Hello, Mary. Hello, Mary. Hello. How are you? Hey. 
Well, did you hear that ovation, Mary? Applause, cheers, whistles. I can't understand it. I can. Hmm. Same a modest, assuming, unassuming little girl, huh? Fine thing for you to say. Aw, oh, Jack, who are you kidding? Every actor loves applause, and you know it. Oh, I wouldn't say that. Mary's right, Jack. There's a certain amount of ego in every one of us. Now, wait a minute, Don. I was in vaudeville for a good many years, and my only thought was to entertain. Applause meant absolutely nothing to me. Oh, no? Tell him about the time you're going to kill yourself in Toledo. <laughs> well, even the ushers didn't applaud there. Besides, I had no intention of killing myself. And what were you doing with that rope in your dressing room? I hung my laundry on it. <laughs> now, let's not start our first program by being personal. Let's talk about something uh, else. What'd you do this summer, Mary? I was asleep till that dredge woke me up. Now, cut that out. You're not supposed to take that literally. It was just a delightful fantasy. Why, Jack, you ought to be ashamed of yourself writing a corny thing like that. Who said I wrote it? You did. Oh. <laughs> well, as long as I'm trapped, I wrote the music, too. <laughs> anyway, it was a very novel opening for our first program, and I'm proud of it. Proud of it? Why, it didn't even make sense. Oh, it didn't, eh? Well, they said the same thing about A Midsummer Night's Dream. And look how successful that was. Yeah, I hear Shakespeare just built a home in Brentwood. <laughs> That's Abe Shakespeare from Universal. <laughs> anyway, Mary, you don't appreciate how hard it is to get new ideas and things. You know, Don, I sat up night after night working on an idea... Hey, Jack. What? Here comes Sierra Sue. Oh, yes. Hello, Phil. Hiya, folks. Here's the man you've been waiting for. Get them hands out of your pockets. Well, Phil, hello. Hi, Don. Hi, Don. Hi, Don. Oh, sure. He would ask for it. I appreciate that, folks. You know, applause is food for an actor, so thanks for the lunch. Ha, <laughs> ha, it's a Lulu. <laughs> well, you didn't disappoint us, Phil. You came right back the way you left. <laughs> Not a colonel missing. <laughs> well, Phil, I hear you had another successful tour this summer on those one-night stands. Yes, sir. We covered about 16,000 miles, one town after another. Boy, that's what I call a tough grind. I wouldn't go through that for all the money in the world. What? You heard me. <laughs> I don't know how that guy does it. Phil, why do you only stay one night in a town and then move on? Love them and leave them. That's my motto. <laughs> I know, I saw tattooed on your chest <laughs> You know, Phil, you ought to take a vacation in the summer Instead of working and traveling around the country Look at those bags under your eyes Oh, uh, they're not so big I like to have them full of radium, that's all Grub <laughs> <laughs> Now, wait a minute, Jack I look all right, and so do my boys Why don't you say something about the new suits they're wearing? Well, I've got to admit, they're all spruced up today. I notice another thing. They smell so sweet. You know? Why, sure. They all got perfume on. Perfume, eh? That's all right. You'll never replace the old-fashioned bathtub. <laughs> never mind. With them, I'll settle for anything. But at that, Phil, I must compliment you on the way Hey, that... Jack. What? Here comes baby dumpling. Oh, yes. Hello, Dennis. Hello, everybody. Hi. Well, hello, Dennis. Oh, 
Well. Gee, was all that applause for me? Yes, sir, Dennis. Every bit of it. The people are glad to see you back again. Then I ought to get more dough. <laughs> Sit down, you money-mad ham. <laughs> it's a fine entrance you made, Dennis. The first crack out of the box, you want more money. You know, this is only your second year in show business, and if you ask me, you're doing all right. Well, Kenny Baker's got a yacht. Never mind Kenny Baker. <laughs> And it leaks. <laughs> more money, more money. Let me tell you a little story, Dennis. Something you ought to know and think about. When I was a kid your age, life wasn't as easy for me as it is for you. Well, I used to walk around the streets of Waukegan selling newspapers. I was hungry. Yes, and I was barefoot. I bet it was snowing, too. <laughs> you said it. Why, Dennis... When I used to come home at night after tramping the streets all day selling those papers, my little feet were swollen and bleeding. Where'd you get the blood? <laughs> I had it then. <laughs> but I was happy, Dennis. Happy because I was struggling to achieve success, slow but sure. And, and that's why you should be happy, too. Gee, I'm sorry, Mr. Benny. Maybe I ought to take a cut. <laughs> a cut? Look at, look at his ears go up. They didn't budge. <laughs> now listen, Mary, I wasn't going to mention it because I wanted to be a surprise to the whole gang. But when you each get your check tomorrow, you'll find a raise. A substantial increase. I don't believe it, but say it again. Bill, don't act so surprised I, I gave you all a raise last year, didn't I? Sure, but right afterwards You sold a stock in your ostrich farm My ostrich farm? What's wrong with that? They lay eggs every day of the week And on Sunday, you take over <laughs> Mary, May Company <laughs> Now, Dennis, if you can forget... Dennis, if you can forget about Kenny Baker's yacht long enough, how about singing a song for us? Okay. Go ahead, Dennis. Wait a minute. Come in. Pardon me, are you Jack Benny? Yes. My name is Gross. Do you mind if I ask you a few questions? Why, no, no, I'm never too busy for an interview. Well, first of all, what are your plans on the radio this year? Oh, I don't know. We're going to keep about the same formula and style as in the past. Yet, we hope to be topical and keep up with the times. I see. And, uh, are you planning any, uh... Are you planning any out-of-town trips during the season? Well, we'll stay here in Hollywood until the middle of December, and then we'll probably go to New York for a month. A month, eh? Yes. That'll bring you back about the... About the, uh... The middle of January. I see. <laughs> and, uh... Are you, uh... Are you going to close up your house in Beverly Hills while you're away? Yes, I intend to. Yes. Well, I think that about covers everything. Thanks very much, Mr. Benny. You're welcome. Oh, by the way, what paper are you with? None. I'm a burglar. Goodbye. <laughs> hey, come back here. Well, of all the nerve, sing, Dennis. Oh, Jack. What? You better take your mattress to the bank tomorrow. I will. Don't worry. <laughs> 
the swallows come back to Capistrano. That's the day you promised to come back to me. When you whispered farewell in Capistrano, was the day the swallows flew out to the sea. All the mission bells will ring, the chapel choir will sing, the happiness you'll bring will live in my memory. When the swallows come back to Capistrano, that's the day I pray that you come back to me. While the altar candles burn, my heart is burning too. If you should not return, I'll still be waiting for you. When the swallows come back to Capistrano, that's the day I pray that you come back to That was When the Swallows Come Back to Capistrano, sung by Dennis Day, and accompanied by Phil, I'll Play Any Town Under 2,000 Harris. <laughs> and Dennis, Dennis, that was really a beautiful number. Thank you, Mr. Benny. And I, I love the thought, When the Swallows Come Back to Capistrano. Don, isn't that a grand title? Don, When the Swallows Come Back to Capistrano. Oh, Jack, please. Don, are you rebelling? No, but I just think... Don, when the swallows come back to Capistrano. Okay, okay. Ladies and gentlemen, whenever you swallow a dessert, make sure that it is genuine jello. That's better. Whether you live in Capistrano or San Luis Obispo, always come back to your neighborhood grocer and ask him for a package of tempting economical jello. It comes in six delicious flavors. So remember... All right, Dennis. Oh, I don't wanna. Dennis. <laughs> okay. When the swallows come back to Capistrano, you will find that jello's waiting there for you. Oh, Capistrano. There, that wasn't such a bad plug, was it? Did you write that, Jackson? I certainly did. Take a bow and I'll punch you right in the nose. <laughs> Why don't you? <laughs> anyway, that was smart writing, Mary. 
You know, Don, I'm going to do a lot of that stuff this coming season. Write clever commercials and fantasies. All kinds of sketches and things. It's a lot of work, isn't it? Oh, I don't mind. In fact, I get a kick out of it. Hey, Jackson, what's the idea of all this writing all of a sudden? Last Tuesday, he found a fountain pen. <laughs> that has nothing to do with my talent. Say, Don... I suppose if he found a canoe, you'd want to be an Indian guide. <laughs> Silly, me, an Indian guide. Say, Don... A couple of feathers in your hair wouldn't hurt. <laughs> all right, forget it. I found a fountain pen on Sunset Boulevard. I put an ad in the paper. Nobody claimed it. So it's mine. What paper did you put the ad in? In the Louisville Courier Journal. <laughs> it ran three days. Now, Don... Gee, does Sunset Boulevard go that far? Get a map and don't annoy me. Now, Don, if I can get a word in edgewise here... We're almost through with this first program, aren't we? Just about, Jack. All we have left is Phil's number, and that'll about wind up the show. Well, then, look. I'm going to run along. You see, uh, Rochester's downstairs waiting for me in the car, and I've got to rush home. You see, I'm writing an article for the Saturday Evening Post, and I want to get it off tonight. You must have found a bottle of ink, too. <laughs> yes, and some stationery and stamps and everything. <laughs> is it okay, Don? Sure, go right ahead, Jack. I'll take care of everything. All right. Well, so long, Don. So long, fellas. See you next Sunday. Goodbye, Goodbye. Jack. Good Good long, care, Jack. See you next week. Well, come on, Phil. Let's get going. Okay, Don. Hit it, boys. Rochester, Rochester, watch out. You don't honk at red lights, you stop for them. Well, our brakes are in a delicate condition. <laughs> well, then you can shut off the motor. Boys, if I shut off this motor, even the blue ferry couldn't start it. <laughs> Just watch your driving, that's all. Okay. I sure liked your program tonight, boys. You did? Well, that's good. Uh, which gag did you like the best? The one about you giving everybody a raise. <laughs> that was a good one. It wasn't any joke, Rochester. I'm giving the whole cast more money this year. You are? Yes. Well, boss, has my status quo been affected by this bolt from the blue? <laughs> what do you mean? In other words, when I get my check tomorrow, am I going to be grinning or groaning? <laughs> now, Rochester, let's get this straightened out right now. When I say I'm giving a raise, I mean I'm giving an increase to my associates on the radio. Uh -huh. You see, you're connected with me in a private capacity. That is, you're in a domestic category. Uh -huh. So in a nutshell, Rochester, I regard you as just a butler. Not an actor. Just a butler? Yes. Boss, did you see our last picture? <laughs> Don't change the subject. Anyway, Rochester, I can't see where you have any cause for complaint. You're doing all right. Bill Robinson's got a yacht. I don't care what <laughs> If you're not careful, you're liable to be first mate on it. 
<laughs> Never saw anybody in my life that complains about... Hey, wait a minute. Rochester! Rochester, stop the car! What's the matter, boss? Quick, stop the car! Hmm. <laughs> hmm. Uh, pardon me, miss. Are you going towards Beverly Hills? I said, are you going towards Beverly Hills? Mm, drive on, Rochester. <laughs> oh, well. <laughs> Stop laughing. We're not home yet. You'll never give up, will you, boys? <laughs> never mind. And getting back to the salary you're so dissatisfied with, let me tell you a little story, Rochester. When I was a kid in Waukegan, I used to walk around the streets selling newspapers. I was hungry. And yes, I was barefoot, too. But I was happy. I didn't mind struggling because I knew that someday all my work... This is the last number of the first program in the new Jell-O series. And we will be with you again next Sunday night at the same time. Say, Phil. Yeah, Mary. How about taking me over to the Wilshire Bowl tonight? I'm taking the Blue Fairy. Oh, that's right. There wouldn't be room for both of us. Good night, Thank you for listening. Tomorrow night, it's Suspense, followed by Fibber McGee and Molly. Thanks to Joel Schoenwell and Paul Stringer for technical support. The executive producer for Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a great night. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.